Today's episode is being sponsored by Swiss Hospitality Guild. SHG is a training center created to meet the strong demand for specialized hospitality staff. This training concept was born from the experience and expertise of its founder, Egidio Marcato. Egidio has become a reference in the world of hospitality coaching and has had success stories in skills championships, including Swiss skills, Euro skills, and world skills, as well as the AICR World's Best Receptionist Competition. Contact SHG at www.swisshospitalityguild.com. Good morning and welcome to 50 Shades of Hospitality. This is Crystal Cavan, your host. Today we are very happy to welcome Vasily Grogol, who is Executive Director of Bursa Hotel in Kiev, Ukraine. Hello, Vasily, and welcome to the show. Can you please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you, Ms. Kevin. Uh, yes, my name is Vasily Grogol, and uh, I come from Ukraine. And what about me? So I'm a, I'm a young hotelier. I graduated from uh, Lyon uh, University, where I studied hospitality management, um, real estate finance, rev- and revenue management. After that, I spent some time uh, in New York City uh, and uh, working working for a hotel company, after, after which I decided to go back to Ukraine, Kiev, and... Uh, opened my first hotel there. And so I guess my business story began from there. But I had uh, g- great fun, you know, working with uh, an abandoned building and uh, creating something out of it, out of ruins, creating something, uh, what is now a, a small, charming boutique hotel uh, of 33 bedrooms uh, with a 72-seat 72, 72 restaurant, rooftop bar, chamber cinema, and uh, contemporary art gallery. The, that was the beginning of uh, of it. After that, I uh, also in Kiev, I opened uh, a co-working space, uh, which, which is quite big. We have over 700 residents, and uh, it's a huge space in a historic um, city, historic part of Kiev. For me, I perceive it as the same hospitality as the hotel. It's more work related but it's uh you know the mechanisms are all the same that's why like i decided to do that and you know i always tell to my team and uh, to people uh that uh, you know there's the difference between co-working like an or the workspace and the hotel is that uh in the hotel people spend most of the time uh horizontal and uh in co-working they spend the same time vertically and that's the only difference. The rest, the services, the hospitality that you that you do, it's 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 relatively the same. And I've been doing like a bunch of other things uh, on the side, which I will be super happy to uh, to talk about more. Yeah. So I'd like to ask you a little bit more about Bursa Hotel. So it's called a concept hotel. Can you explain? Specifically, concept hotel. It's more like a concept accommodation. The idea of Bursa was always to become something more than just a hotel. It all started uh, with with my love and uh, uh, curiosity about how to combine the two worlds, one world which is a super uh, bohemian, artistic, uh, creative world, with the uh, with the hospitality world, you know, uh, not to do it like you know, just kind of um, very on the surface, but to how to go deep in, in, into that. I kind of wanted to play around with the hotel, you know, and uh, create something more out of it. That's why the idea of the uh, contemporary art gallery came came along, you know. And actually, 
uh, Bursa was open in May 2018, and the gallery reopened in uh, November 2017. So actually half a year before the actual hotel opening. That was one of the key things, actually, you know. Bursa Gallery, yeah, there was always, like, our, the idea of the gallery that, that, we were, that we would promote the local artists, young, emerging, the ones who have no access to, like, some uh, bigger institutions and stuff. All the exhibitions that we would do, they would finance them ourselves. They would be non -co not commercial. And we would give, like, ultimate freedom to artists and creators uh, to create their shows. We would co-create it with them. It worked out. Our first exhibition was an absolutely, absolute, like, success. And there were a bunch of people who came for the opening and then every day. And it's, it was nothing like you would expect from the gallery because it was more like a museum exhibition, you know. It was weird. It was like, it's super strange, you know, but in a way that's aligned, what is Bursa? It is out of the box. It is bohemian. You can't really put it under one category, you know, like, and uh, that's all started with this, basically. People understood it and uh, made Bursa their place. It became the place for artists to create, to exhibit. It became the place for uh, people to come and see it. Uh, and then it's all blended together with this uh, a bourgeois, beautiful life, drinking and eating and having fun all the time. That's how it kept going. I call it concept accommodation just because when somebody asks me who I am, you know, I, I always tell that uh, I'm a professional hospitality underdog. I have no family history in hospitality, no family history in being something uh, crazy. I don't know, whatever, you know. So uh, it's like hospitality for me, it's a cool, uh, uh, empty uh, canvas in a way that I see world around me. I just have fun with it. And Vasily, did, did, when, you, when you opened up your, your art gallery, did you already know that you wanted to open up a hotel as well? Yeah. Okay, so you, you already had the idea that you wanted to have a gallery and a hotel together. Yes, absolutely. Right. But you just opened the gallery faster, uh, uh, one year before the hotel. Half a year before, but it was it was the strategy, basically. It was all part of the strategy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vasily, how and why did you end up opening a hotel in Kiev? So I will start with the question why. And it's quite easy to understand. This is also going to sound like an advice for young hoteliers. It's super cool to search for opportunities where nobody else does. Ukraine and Kiev, uh, it's one of those places. At least it used to be. I uh, personally perceived it this way. It's a great big country with uh, lots of potential. And uh, it's always was like this, you know, with uh, like, you know, highly educated people and everything, which is uh, not on the radars. Seven years ago, eight years ago, uh, when I came to Kiev, you know, you would ask a foreigner, uh, for, a foreigner, where is Ukraine? Where, where is Kiev? People would have a hard time like finding it on the map. Fortunately, I don't know how to say it now. Of course, everyone knows where Ukraine is, but we'll come back to this question later on. There was an amazing opportunity. Every hotelier knows uh, hotel requires a building. It happened to be that the building belongs uh, to my family and was uh, purchased for a very low, low amount uh, very, very long time ago. It was standing empty, and it was a was a complete ruin. It had no no roof, and it had no uh, floors, you know. So it was basically just a facade. My family had no resources of uh, like renovating it. My father just uh, uh, said, like, why are you working for someone in New York City? This is also key to understand the mentality of me and my family, I suppose, and especially of my family. 
my my mother and my father are self-made people and they were always telling me since I was a kid it's better to sell uh, dumplings on the street and work for yourself than work for someone else so the same kind of song my father started singing to me like why are you working there for someone uh, come back here start your own thing you know find investors create concept do do all this you know do all this what you've been trained to do and so I accepted the challenge. You come back to the previous question. The idea of this kind of hotel property mixed with the culture, arts, and everything, I, ha- I always had it in my mind. And actually, one of my projects back in school at, uh, at Glion was dedicated purely to, for designing this idea. So it's actually like it's been growing in my head for a long time. And here I had the chance to to work on it and that's why I did it. So it's a combination of uh, unknown lands that is full of opportunities. It is much uh, lower entry point in terms of costs, in terms of uh, uh, labor costs, in terms of construction costs, in terms of uh, many crucial, in terms of licensing and blah, 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 in terms of many crucial things that make that make hospitality inaccessible for young talents. And in Ukraine at that time, it was, again, an empty canvas, which, which, which you could take and create with. And that's what I did. Now... Um... We have to come back to this very sad truth that in February 2002, uh, 22, one year ago, Russia invaded Ukraine. So could you please tell us about what this meant for you and for your hotel? And, you know, your hotel is still open. I mean, how have you dealt with running a hotel in a war zone? So, uh, absolutely, yes. a uh, year ago, uh, Russia invaded Ukraine, and um, at that moment, it's absolutely strange thing uh, that I do not uh, want anyone else to experience. And the, when when the war began, I was in my apartment sleeping with my girlfriend, and uh, she woke me up at five a.m. saying that the war began, and I was like, "Chris, like, go back to bed, go to sleep, like, it's it's impossible," you know. We would not believe up up until the very last, like up until we heard the bombs ourselves, we would not believe it. We would, I would not believe it. You know, she, uh, we woke up 5 a.m. Then we slept a little longer until six. You know, I texted to my colleagues in the office that saying that, okay, guys, you can take a, take a break today. You know, you can, you can, you don't have to come to work today, you know? And everyone was like, Vasily, like we're already on the way to West border, you know? Like, I'm like, what? Like, why? (laughs) Okay, whatever. I just, I, I went to the hotel and it was super strange, you know? Like, first of all, city is empty. No one, no one is on the streets. Uh, very few people of my staff, of course, came to work, but some did. And I'm so grateful for them. And it's it was it was an incredible moment, you know. So basically, we still have guests in our hotel. We only had uh, like we only had three rooms at that time occupied, and the the guests were there. And of course, like everyone is in kind of shock and panic, and no one knows what to do. So I I come to the hotel and I'm like, okay, calma, let's have some breakfast. One of my chefs that came, like I said, uh, Radion, cook some breakfast. We uh, let's let's feed our guests. Uh, and then we see, 
So we, uh, we gave some breakfast to our guests. I started talking to them, understanding what's their personal situation, since there are not so many of them. One of them appeared to be a journalist, uh, was, was covering the war, so he had no problem, and he just went ahead with his program, you know. So we just kept his luggage. He asked, uh, we said, no problem. Other f- people, they were um, a mother and a daughter from Estonia or Lithuania. I don't remember exactly from where. And they were absolutely shocked. They, they, didn't, they couldn't even say anything. You know, they came to visit their family here. They didn't know the war is going to begin. They didn't know how to go back. It's, it's, it's not even a danger zone. It's everything which you're used to is not working anymore, you know? No gasoline. Trains are running really badly. Full of people. Thousands of people going to the trains. My assistant, uh, she went on one of those trains and one woman just died next to her because there were so many people and there was like no air inside the ca- carriage. Uh, we had to help her to get to get her somehow over uh, across the border. Third guess thing, they were local. So they just like, they just backed and they were fine and they just left, you know. So yeah, this was the, the first thing to deal with, you know. The second thing was, okay, what's next? Messages starting coming, you know, Russians already in the city, which was true. They were already near and we, we hear bombs. When you go out on the street, you smell smoke. Let's cut some wood and uh, cover the windows, you know. Because uh, if uh, if some bomb is going to land, like, I mean, at least we're not going to have uh, our glass broke. A few of my guys who showed up and uh, we just started cutting tables, cutting tables from the restaurant, <laughs> and covering uh, windows. The girls who were there, like my girlfriend and other other girls, they took uh, duct tape and they started like putting it on other all other windows all across the hotel. We understood that we're going to close the hotel. That's why we did all the precaution measures uh, with water, electricity and stuff like this. You know, that's how the war began, you know, and then then we all slept in, in, the, in, the, in the bomb shelter. We have a basement in the hotel, so we all slept there. It's, let's say, long story short. That's how it began. And uh, after that, uh, of course, I don't know a single Ukrainian or pe- person who is, uh, who's been living in Ukraine who at that time did something else but helping uh, to resist. I don't know anyone, at least none of, none of my friends, you know, and my, my circle. So everyone was doing something. We started fundraising money like crazy. I, have, I started spending my own money. Somebody was kind of like civil people, you know, and somebody just went out and fight, fought, you know, straight up. People just grabbed guns with no preparation, no nothing, you know, and went to protect their uh, their country. And they went with nothing, just with guns and uh, no helmets, no armory, nothing. And there was a huge demand for that. Me and my girlfriend, we started straight up working on this one to supply all the necessary things to the to the ones who are going to the front lines or to the a territorial defense or anywhere. Uh, so we started supplying soldiers. To the soldiers, yeah, the people that were fighting. So long story short, you know, like in the beginning of the war, everyone was helping uh, the way people could. There was a huge demand and request from those who, from those, the new soldiers that were going out to, into territorial defense or to the front lines uh, to get some sort of armory. And you need a lot of things, you know, as a soldier, a lot of things. And they all are pretty costly. Basically, what we were we managed to supply were the um, body armor vests, uh, army helmets. It's, they're also specific, you know, they're not this, any helmet can work out on the, in the actual battlefield, you know. And there are special classes, you know, class four, class five. Uh, for example, class three would not work uh, on this kind of war. And so basically, and when, when there's suddenly a huge demand, supply actually was was not enough you also cannot just 
uh, buy it so simply. It's uh, it's not like going to the store and buying it. There are special regulations. There are special suppliers. And at the same time, a lot of bad guys starting selling like bad stuff. And you and you are buying it and you're giving it to the soldier. And he's hoping that this thing is going to protect him. And so, so we bought overall like 400 of, of everything, you know, hundreds of thousands of euro. And uh, for example, we found one guy like in Czech Republic who said that he has an Armex, uh, it's a special like um, a steel plates, Armex plates uh, for class. Uh, there was something off, you know, so I didn't trust him since the beginning, you know, so I had to go myself to him to take this plates, shoot them on the shooting range from all kinds of different weaponry. So we did that. And it's appeared to be actually like a really good, really good plates, which we then bought and gave to the, to the army. You know, and then there was like crazy moments when you give those body, uh, body armors and helmets, and then you receive a message from someone saying, hey, there is a question, there is a thing about your body armor West that you gave us. Your heart just goes to your heels. It goes down and you think, okay, somebody died and we supplied like bad things and he's, it saved someone's lives. And we're like, oh my God, okay. So Vasily, Vasily, I have a question. Um, during this time that you were um, doing all of this work to try to find supplies, the hotel was closed. How long was the hotel closed altogether? The hotel was closed uh, altogether for three months. And during those three months, that's when you were running around trying to do whatever you could to get bar body armor, to get helmets. So you just left the hotel on the side body armor yeah 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 we just closed it we just like you know uh, closed it completely with all the we sealed it same same thing happened to my co-working we we sealed the co-working and there was a brave security guard who was working for us who, who said i'm gonna leave here so he just moved to the co-working space and he just lived there for three months protecting it it was amazing because in the hotel it's all uh, the property of bursa you know it's all our property you know in the co-working space, there are 700 residents with 700 computers, 700 uh, belongings that they left in one day and they just left somewhere. And it's always kind of staying open. And in Kiev, there was no one. And there was a lot of people like bad guys who started robbing houses and stuff like this, breaking into houses. Uh, there was a lot of paranoia about that. And this brave security guard, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to live here and protect it. So he actually, he was, he was, it was amazing, you know. So yeah, we we sealed both projects for three months and we reopened 1st of June, both of them. Why did you decide to reopen again? Because you realized that there was need for hotel rooms. You saw that the situation was stable enough for you to then open the hotel again? Uh, no, the situation was still very much unstable and very much unknown. But there was a few factors. First, I would say first factor was the team. You know, when the war began during those three months, I took all the money that I had and uh, half of it I uh, spent on buying all these all these things for the army and half of it uh, I just took the whole sum. I took all the number of people that I have uh, on my uh, payroll and I just divided this sum by amount of people by three months. And that was my guess out of the blue that in three months something might change or the work can end or whatever. So basically, I started paying everyone like the same amount to support people somehow. You know? 
it was absolutely necessary because in one day you're like with no resources, no savings, no nothing, you know, because people don't save. Some people don't save money and it's totally fine, you know, and because they don't expect the world to happen next day, you know. So basically it was first it was the team. They, they said like, I mean, we're ready to reopen. We're ready to work. Uh, give us work. I was like, yeah. Of course, let's do it. Guys, if you're ready, let's do it. Uh, there was the first call. Second call was that uh, Kiev, Ukraine fought back and you could feel it. Ukraine fought back and people started, the, the life changed, you know, and it kept going. Get a lot of from bottom up movement from volunteers and journalists and people helping each other, people cooking for each other. Uh, there was also a sign that life goes on and we are we are alive. I had no question about whether opening or not opening. It was just the moment of when to open. Since my team said, okay, we want to reopen, I said, let's reopen. So who is coming to your hotel in Kiev during a war? What kind of clients do you have? And how has it been to run a hotel during a war? <laughs> I mean, it seems inconceivable, but uh, obviously you're doing it. It's also like every every hotelier right now would understand me. Running a hotel during a wartime, it's very similar to running a hotel during a COVID times. But during COVID, your life is not particularly in danger and there are no bombs flying over you and kind of like direct threat of your of everyone's life, you know. But it's very similar in a way that the demand drops by like, you know, two two, three times. You are more to work with the local guests rather than international, at least in the beginning. You are to become very much creative in order to create like some offer that can fit the current situation, which can be ethically appropriate, at least somehow economically viable for you. So it is it is very similar in a way to this. And since we, we, we survived during pandemics and uh, it's all was totally fine, You've had a lot of challenges, Vasily, since opening your hotel. Yeah, yeah. You opened your hotel, you had COVID, now you have a... War, yeah, like all the all the worst things in life, what could happen, happen, absolutely. And you're still here and still going strong. I'm still here, yeah. Still going strong, yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, that I wouldn't say that it's my achievement. I would say it's the achievement of Ukraine in total, in general, by Ukrainians. Every day fighting back, fighting back, fighting back. Uh, it gave reassurance to the world that Ukraine can fight back and that it needs to it needs to be supplied with more arms and uh, defense system. It also gave <coughs> reassurance to the economy that the economy is not going to break. There is a humongous unity between the government, people and the army, which gave a reassurance to people that uh, we are standing strong and that we are not going away. None of the systems collapsed, which is also insanely important. None of the banks collapsed. The economy did not collapse. My credit card did not stop working for a second day. I use a credit card. It was working every day. We have uh, the Grivna lost some value, but at the same time, it's not dramatic. Nothing is dramatic. The government, the economy stood up and it uh, kept thriving. By working every day, you felt like it is more, uh, even more worth it to work. What is happening right now is that most of the people, I just came from Ukraine, most of the people right now are foreigner guests. So... It is an amazing feeling when you go into the Bursa right now. Uh, most of the people right now are speaking English. Uh, you hear people speaking, like all my all my staff are speaking in English. You have people checking in, speaking in English. So who are staying right now? It's mostly journalists, humanitarian organizations, individual volunteers. So like, for example, we have an amazing guy from Denmark, from uh, Copenhagen, 
Mikkel, who created this amazing nonprofit organization, which is called Bikes for Ukraine. And he's uh, delivering bicycles to Ukraine, which are uh, an incre incredibly important uh, during the last um, six months. There was no electricity in Ukraine. There was no gas in some parts. And there was no means of communication, you know. And he just decided that he's going to bring used bikes from Europe where they're throwing out in the garbage, you know, but they're amazing bikes. He would repair them and bring them. And he brought like over like 5,000 or, and he kept, keeps on bringing. And his goal is to bring like 40,000 bikes. And he's an amazing guy, you know, and uh, he talked to police in uh, Copenhagen and they said, yeah, we have in Copenhagen, only in Copenhagen, throwing out over 10,000 arrested or stolen bikes per year. Only in Copenhagen alone. The police just gave them all these bikes. And then he took some from Berlin and blah, blah. So a documentary film crews uh, from Georgia, China, US and everywhere else. And also tourists are coming as well from, uh, from UK, US, Germany, who want to be part of it, who want to feel it, to actually see it with their own eyes. And they're coming to Kiev and they go and they see the bumps, uh, bumped buildings and they go to European and Bucha and all these horrific places. And of course, locals who want to, and I'm not just saying Kiev people, but uh, from Kharkiv, from Odessa, from Lviv, from other cities, you know, because the economy still goes, you know, and people go back and forth. Kiev is also the safest place, I would say, uh, because now we have like, uh, Kiev has a uh, the greatest amount of uh, anti-missile uh, uh, in, in Ukraine, it's PEPEO, anti-anti-rocket systems, basically. Yeah. I have I have another question for you, Vasily. You've you know you you're in New York right now, and you're working on other projects and developing other projects. Can you just tell us a little bit about what you're working on right now? For, besides of those projects that uh, that we talked about, Bursa and Cooperative, which is the hotel and co-working. Uh, me and my team, we've done uh, other things. In Ukraine, we've been uh, running, uh, first of all, we've been running a full-scale consulting company. Because after, after I opened uh, Bursa, a lot of people, mostly uh, investors and developers, came to me and said, oh, we want something like this. Let's work on something together. So I understood that there is a big demand for that. Starting consulting and basically doing projects for people uh, in hospitality. And it was different, you know, so we've been working on uh, mostly there, there was hotels, you know, and there was an airport hotel, city hotels, like budget hotels, and, uh, resorts. So we've done we've done a lot. We've done more than more than 20 of them. One of them was constructed. And uh, again, it froze first because of the pandemic, then because of the war. None of the things were one. One of the hotels that we started developing is it's also a super dramatic story. Like it was even before the pandemic and the war, the investor uh, with whom we already signed the contract and we started working, everything was great. And then, you know, I'm sitting in my office with my team. Suddenly somebody shows me the news. Some guy uh, just uh, died in a helicopter crash. That was the investor. That was my partner. We signed the contract on Friday and we spoke with him on Sunday evening. And then I, I, I think we even spoke on Monday morning over the phone because it was a amazing old historical building in the, the most beautiful part of Kiev greatest uh, hotel ever created. I think we even spoke on the phone on Monday and morning and then uh, same Monday morning he, he crashed um, in his helicopter. We've been running the full scale, like let's say consulting creative company doing uh, different projects. And we also did our own projects. So basically uh, I start, I bought, I bought some lands uh, uh, in outside of Kiev and we started Bursa Cabins, our first resort hotel. 
unfortunately also frozen because of the war, uh, but hopefully we will restart it after the war. Uh, so we, we bought like an amazing piece of land uh, right on the Dnipro River, and uh, we were uh, we designed like an amazing uh, Japanese-inspired uh, cabin hotel with 19 rooms, spa, and a restaurant. I was uh, together uh, together with my team. We also uh, we we created and started and it was actually functioning for some time also before the war and it was super cool we created which was called the pavilion of culture which was the contemporary art museum it was a big modernist building in a, a big uh, state park uh, i uh, negotiated with the with the government actually that they would give us the building for free because it was, it was abandoned and we would reconstruct it and give it new life and uh, we started this process and we already had like two first exhibitions all of that you know all this all these things uh they they didn't have a consecutive shape i would say you know like a company that's you know that we saw oh this is and uh, now I decided to call it the Bursa Studio. This is what I'm uh, working on right now. So now it's all taking shape. And uh, this is going to be called the Bursa Studio. That's what we're going to be doing. Uh, different projects in hospitality, our own projects, and uh, uh, helping our clients to achieve their goals as well. Basically, what uh, as part of the Bursa brand, we are going to be developing like Bursa Hotels, Bursa cabins and uh, smaller projects like Bursa Gallery, Bursa Bar and stuff like this. As the other part of the studio, we're going to be working as a full-scale uh, um, interior design studio, brand branding studio, and just like as a creative agency for hospitality projects. One of the projects that we're going to start now, it's actually a new hotel in Ukraine, which we're doing as a partnership with, uh, it's going to be a Bursa, but it's going to be fully designed uh, by Bursa Studio. And it's going to be a new bursa in Lviv, a uh, hotel of 80 rooms uh, with rooftop bar, restaurant. Wow. Okay. Fantastic. One thing that I'm sure a lot of our listeners are wondering about is what exactly does bursa mean or stand for? Uh, first of all, it is not a city in Turkey. That's the funny thing, you know, because I, for some reason, I when I came up with the name, I I didn't check that there is there is this thing, you know. Many people, many people, when they travel to Turkey, there's a water, water brand called Bursa and a city called Bursa, you know, and this water is everywhere. So everyone is sending me the water with Bursa and I'm like, okay, yeah, funny. I've seen it already. Yay. I've seen it like a hundred times already. Uh, so Bursa, there's a story about it. So Bursa is originally um, a French word, uh, which comes from the word uh, Bursa. It's translated as the wallet or purse. So bursas originally originated in France. It was like 17th, 18th century. And there were student communes that were financed by wealthy individuals. They were like, uh, they were taking the money from their bursas and giving it in order to uh, support these young people uh, in, the, in their educational efforts. And it's still, that's actually um, uh, just, so, I mean, I don't know if you know this, but in French, that's what a scholarship is called. It's called une bourse. We still we still call it that. We still call the money that you get from a private company or from the government. You call it a scholarship, but in French you call it a bourse. Exactly. And then this term, uh, exactly the same, uh, came to Ukraine and did exactly the same thing. So uh, bourses were student communes where uh, stu- where students were living and studying. And it was part of the Kiev Theological University, uh, which was the first uh, higher education facility uh, establishment in uh, in Ukraine at that time. An extraordinary uh, possibility and uh, for 
uh, for for young young boys only at that time you know to escape the uh, brutal life of you know villages and poverty and uh, get into other lives you know in education so this is this is one thing you know and i'll come back to this uh, to this fact another another interesting fact is that in the building of bursa original bursa in kiev one of the buildings which historical heritage building it was constructed in 1818 and by architect andrei milensky and andrei milensky was the first kiev architect and also the first person to build the first stone bursa in on podil I'm precise in these terms because stone bursa before there was other bursas but they're all made out of wood and there was the first stone bursa to be built why it is important because in this neighborhood where bursa is located it's called podil and it's the closest to the river and uh, there was a big fire that burned down the entire neighborhood in 1811 this bursa that he constructed was one of the first building that were made out of stone that was the according to new planning after the big fire and he was the one who planned this whole neighborhood bursas those bursas where those young guys were studying they were uh, not only uh, they were famous this this young boys they were famous for being educated and also for going out on the streets and doing some performances singing songs a little bit also weird but artistic regular workers don't understand you know? but it, it's totally true you know and they they were called bursakis you know bursaki there was a special term how to call these guys you know and they all had the haircut like i have for this like priests monks it goes like into bursa uh, kind of dna of our bursa is that we are artistic by nature and uh, we are uh, students for life uh, we always want to like become better and uh, more creative and uh, we are super low key and uh, we know that we are coming from not from the silver spoon but from uh, working class parents uh, and we love it this is a really big part of uh, bursa's dna and uh, it it transmits to Uh, the guests uh, to everything we do and that's it's super open and not judge, not judgmental fantastic i'm going to ask you one last question before letting you go vasily you're you accomplished so much for someone who is so young um what kind of advice would you give to someone that is getting into the hospitality field i mean there are a bunch of advices i can give first set of advices it's more technical First study finance. If you don't know finance in hospitality, you'll never progress. You will never build a hotel, own a hotel, or be trusted by someone to build a hotel if you don't know finance. Because in the end of the day, this is all business. Everything what is above finance, it's marketing. You know, it's marketing, it's brand, it's whatever. It's a, it's like a top layer, it's a penthouse. But the foundation, it's finance. It's how you deal with your money, where you get your money, how you speak to investors and many of your investors are going to be like okay 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 this is all beautiful whatever let's get back let's come down to real talk and talk numbers so study finance number two, it's uh, get some experience from someone and this is something for example i didn't have a lot working for someone so i worked more for myself than i worked for someone in my life which is i guess as part of my uh, my family background and everything and kind of mentality but i would totally suggest for everyone to work for someone and learn on someone else's mistakes rather on your own because your own mistakes are more costly but at the same time you're still going to do them later stages so maybe perhaps doing them on the early stages is also good but anyway so working for someone it's it's cool and then love the product you do find the appropriate place for it 
Because, for example, coming to New York City and trying to make a hotel here, it's nonsense. And it's uh, at, at an early stage, I would say. It's just stupid. Any investor, look uh, like if you talk to somebody, oh, hey, my name is uh, John. I just graduated. I worked for someone for like three years. I want to open a hotel in New York. Everybody's going to say, ha ha, good joke. You know, if you go, for example, to Kenya, if you go to Argentina, if you go to Indonesia or places that are to be developed, that you like and that you want to spend time in, because anyway, your first first steps are going to be very analog, very handmade, you know, and there's so much in Europe. If you like, for example, Portugal, you know, whatever, find a market that is going to be much more receptive towards your idea and, uh, and go for it. Excellent. Perfect. Vasily, thank you so, so much for joining us today, for uh, describing and explaining your amazing conceptual avant-garde vision, and for explaining to our listeners about the real situation in Kyiv and trying to run a hotel in such difficult uh, conditions. And we hope that we can invite you back again one time to our podcast And uh, we hope to see you again soon. And all the best of luck with all of your projects. And may the war win. Uh, uh, may, may the war end soon for the people of Ukraine. Absolutely. Thank you. Slava Ukraine. Thank you so much. Today's episode is being sponsored by Swiss Hospitality Guild. SHG is a training center created to meet the strong demand for specialized hospitality staff. This training concept was born from the experience and expertise of its founder, Egidio Marcato. Egidio has become a reference in the world of hospitality coaching and has had success stories in skills championships, including Swiss skills, Euro skills, and world skills, as well as the AICR World's Best Receptionist Competition. Contact SHG at www.swisshospitalityguild.com.